Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer podcast, brought to you by Rocket Agency. I'm your host, James Lawrence. I'm so pleased to welcome to the pod, Rachel Pallard. Rachel is head of marketing at 4Cabling, the largest online retailer of cabling and IT accessories in Australia. Previously, Rachel was head of marketing Australia and New Zealand at the Grace Group, so working on, with brands and units like Grace Removals, uh, Commercial Projects, Grace Fine Art. Uh, prior to that, she was head of marketing at Office Brands, overseeing marketing strategy for an organization with over 160 outlets around Australia. Um, she's a leading Australian in-house marketer. Rachel, welcome to the pod. Thank you. It's good to be here. So what are the signs, like in, in your experience, having worked in quite a lot of marketing environments, what are the signs that you should start thinking about using an agency for a particular discipline or product or service? Um, I think a lot of the time it comes down to the expertise you've got in-house. So um, a lot of the times, particularly smaller businesses, you've got a much tighter team with fewer areas of expertise. And other businesses, you've got a marketing team and they um, all cover different areas of specialisation usually. Yeah. I usually find that if I don't have the resources to do something in-house, that's when I start looking at agencies. Or if I don't think we've got enough skill to do something quite niche, like, for instance, coming up with a whole new brand identity, then that's not something that most marketing teams are skilled to handle or can do it as well. So I think it really comes down to looking at what you want to achieve, looking at what resources you've got to do it, and then see if it makes financial sense or um, team sense to actually work with agencies. Yeah. I think we find that, like, we've got on our books, we'll always have some smaller businesses and some larger businesses. And generally feel that the smaller businesses, if they have smaller marketing teams, we're probably doing more stuff for them. And then if it's a bigger business, we're probably being brought in to do one thing, whether it might be SEO or a component of SEO. Um, When it's a smaller business, you might be doing three or four channels and kind of driving a lot more of their marketing strategy. Yeah. And I I think also the other thing as well is a lot of areas are quite specialised. So it's actually hard to stay up to date. Normally, if you're a marketer, you're passionate about marketing and you'd like to keep up to date with what's going on. But for instance, SEO particularly, an algorithm changes. You don't know if it's just you or if it's happening across a range of businesses, whereas an agency can look at their clients and go, you know what, that algorithm change has had an effect here. This is what we do to fix it. The other thing as well is agencies often have a lot more access to people like Google specialists. So if it's PPC or SEO, they get more insights than you can get just as a standalone business. So those kinds of things are very valuable because they really help with the sanity check. So a lot of times if you're just marketing one business, you're operating in a little bit of isolation and that's fine. You know your business better than any agency ever will, but they can look at it from a big picture and say, okay, you've got some opportunities here or this algorithm's changed. We've got to make a quick fix here or even things like web developers and agencies there. There's a security patch you need to install. You've got to do it urgently. Um, If it's one of 100 emails in your inbox, you may not think it's a priority, but if your agency calls you and says, this is important because people are getting hacked, then you get it done. So, yeah. And that's kind of, I guess, because we, and, you know, we're talking before the before we jumped on here, like we're not trying mm-hmm. to say, I'm not trying to push an agency agenda and you're not trying to push a, an in-house agenda, but I think that's how we will often position, like why use Rocket versus in-housing something. It's that yeah. we do, you know, we might be running 60 campaigns that have very similar traits to yours and hmm. you don't want to be a guinea pig on your own campaign. 
No. Yeah. When we, no. We'll Sometimes see. you have to yeah. because you can't afford to <laughs> use an agency to start yeah. off with. But I think, yeah, it's um, it's much easier to put learnings across a broad base of campaigns yeah. that are similar than it is to just on your own focus, optimise it. Even though, like, for instance, for cabling, it's a very technical kind of business. So it's got very specific terminology and phrases that get used and working with an agency we have to provide that information so and there's a lot of things that you know negative search words you can't say that because we're going to end up randomly showing up in the, the wrong searches that kind of thing but a lot of that you can get from you know the tools you use just to set up campaigns but that expertise you're not going to get that um, the agency doesn't bring that to the table that's what the client brings to the table yeah, so that's right. um but, yeah, the balance, it definitely helps. And if you can get that all working together, then obviously you benefit more than you can just on your own or yeah. just um, letting an agency run with whatever they think is right, which is sometimes right and sometimes not. Yeah, that's it. And I think we would – that's exactly one of the big benefits of doing stuff in-house is you have dedicated team, generally more hours to do something, and you mm. kind of you understand the business better, whether it's understanding what the sales team's up to or understanding what the product does or – um, industry jargon that's something that's much mm. harder for an agency to, to wrap their head around um, absolutely yeah so yeah and i think definitely wanting to discuss with you you know how do you bridge the gap right how do you get the two working as effectively as possible together yeah it's um it's actually a hard juggling act i will be honest because i mean essentially usually when you're working with an agency you've got your account manager and then you've got your specialists that are working on different elements of what you need yeah um i think that's a lot of people to get into the loop of what it is that you do. Yeah. Um, and because they're not living it day by day, even in a marketing team for like a technical company, a lot of the time I don't know how to use fiber, but I've got a sales <laughs> team that does and I can go and ask them. So I think trying to keep that open, trying to probably direct a lot of the requirements, even though the agency is going to know what you need, for instance, in terms of SEO or branding, for instance. But what I do when I'm working with, um, for instance, design agencies or brand agencies is we set up a framework and I make sure that that framework is translatable for my team to then go and use. So for instance, at Grace, when we did the rebrand, the agency knew that the plan was for us to do a lot of the ongoing design stuff in-house but use the templates that they create yeah. because that's the way I could get things done more quickly, much more cost-effectively. But I had to frame that as part of the whole brief saying you will then give us working files that we can then go and create sub-files with and things like social media templates, provide us with that and then we'll fill in the gaps, you know, spec sheets, fact sheets, that kind of stuff. So I think... The best relationships I've had with agencies are when we've been really clear about what we want to get out of it internally and then how it's going to live and breathe after we've done the initial project or um, what it's going to look like on an ongoing basis. So, And if your agency's good um, and if they're real people and they're not trying to sell you a solution that you don't necessarily need, they'll work with you on that. Um, and it's but you do need to drive it and you do need to be checking results and you do need to be making sure that you're getting what you need out of it. And that means it helps if you know what you're talking about. It helps if you know what your analytics look like, if you all agree on what the analytics are going to be for any particular project or what the agreed outcomes are going to be. That's that's how we get the most value out of working with agencies. Yeah. And I think you, it was kind of part of the reason I wanted you to, to come onto the pod for this topic because I think we've worked together in a few businesses now, first of mm -hmm. all, Grace, and now for Cabling. And I think you do a really good job of 
Um, I, I think delegate, not abdicate. I think there's certain clients that will come to us and kind of it's we're meant to be some kind of magic wand and it just doesn't <laughs> it doesn't work and that way. And that's going to fail on all fronts, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. I think like understanding, I think the first bit that you touched on, you know, we're people and <laughs> your people, we're people and, you know, people make mistakes and people have strengths and weaknesses, but also just the idea that to actually make it work, it is a partnership and it's so cliched, but, it, you know. It has to be though, doesn't it? I mean, it's a cliche for a reason, I guess. Yeah, so. totally. <laughs> so, I mean, I think the benefit, like we both know, I think the benefits of using an agency for certain things. What, like, mm-hmm. conversely, like, what would be situations or examples of when, like, signs you shouldn't work with an agency and you probably are best bringing something in house? Uh, a lot of things, immediacy is a big one. Mm-hmm. So, if you know, like, if you're working with an agency on your social media, for instance, but you need to be able to react to something that happened in a day and it takes them a week to respond, or, um, you know, or you need artwork and you need it turned around quickly because there's a deal that's waiting to happen and you can't wait for a few days. I think that's when you start looking at having those templates I mentioned earlier um, available for you to use internally. The other thing as well is a lot of times we do project work with agencies. Yeah. So we set something up technically. So um, a good thing on that would be SEO, getting a site audit done, getting a list of all the things that we technically need to get fixed. And then we either decide to do that fix in-house or we outsource it to developers or we outsource it to the agency to do for us. But yeah. I think a lot of that we make the call on um, one, what's the skill level we've got in-house, but and two, what's the most effective way of getting this done? So is it urgent? Do I need to get it done now? I don't have the resources in-house, get the agency to do it, or it's not urgent, it's a list that will, it's something we'll add to the to-do list and we'll just, you know, schedule it to happen in-house. Um, with uh, the SEO stuff we've done recently, for instance, we find great value in the keyword research and the structure of how content needs to be changed on different pages and that sort of thing because that's not something we've got the time to do in-house, but we are also um, building up our copywriting capabilities. So now it's sort of give us the research, give us the structure, we'll get the words done um, internally. Um, That wasn't the case originally. It's just that we've managed to get the resources um, in-house. I mean, you're taking taking work away from us? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oops. Thanks, thanks Rachel. doing lots more auditing now. <laughs> but we did. Yeah, we okay. had that conversation with our account manager. It was, um, okay, we've got this resource now, um, so how are we going to best utilise the time you guys are spending? Um, by the way, we haven't reduced the retain. We're just getting different stuff from you. So- and I, but I think that's like and I, we have a value do right by the client. So but it, but it, I get, it does, I will always say it doesn't make sense to do something with an agency that you can do in-house. Um, so I think like you said, like use, use agencies strategically, use them to do like the auditing strategy bit, which will kind of set the, the, the roadmap, set the strategy for moving forward, whether it's Google Ads or whatever it might be, um, yeah. because we probably have seen it before when otherwise you're trying to sh- you're probably shooting in the dark a little bit. But yeah. th- why would you pay one of our copywriters to sit there in an agency working on copy for a product that we don't even 
really understand if you've got a resource sitting there doing it. And that's it. what we did find with our content. I mean, it is just, you know, um, yes, I can give you headings on what it all is, but you guys don't know the difference between Cat 5A, Cat 6, Cat 6A and why you would use them, whereas I've got a salesperson sitting right there who I can um, pick their brains and get the answers and then put it into a sentence that I may or may not in- understand completely <laughs> but <laughs> or be interested in. But, you know, it's it's going to get me much better quality content from for that particular one. Yeah. Things generally though, um, so, but then I suppose outsourcing to copywriters as well is also um, outsourcing still. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think that kind of thing, it definitely makes sense. I think the one thing I will say about agencies and one thing about working with you guys, open and honest communication, again, another cliche, but without it you start there's too many smokes and mirrors or you're just not honest with each other. And yeah. the reality is if I can do something cheaper in-house and I've got a de- I've got to return an ROI for my board, so um, you guys have got to return an ROI for you, your clients, um, why wouldn't I be upfront with you about that and say, okay, and these are the skills I've got or these are the skills we're developing in-house um, and work out the best way to get the most that bang for our buck? And it's for, I think like that for probably maybe for younger marketers listening to the pod, like often you kind of think that by front-footing it, by being transparent about, hey, we're thinking of hiring for this role or we're thinking of in-housing this, that the agency is going to lose their mind or cut you. It's like, no, let's actually, that's fine. We can move the scope around. Like mm. let's, we'll take that out and sub something in or we can just reduce the scope because um, it is like generally if we're driving value for a client, they'll retain us, build trust, budgets go up over yeah. time and everyone wins. But I think um, – I think don't be shy to have a very frank conversation with your agency partner um, about thinking maybe we will take this part of the scope in-house because we think we can do it better. And often it, if, if, if there's tension in one particular area, removing that can then allow the rest of the work to be done more smoothly and, and better. I think that's a good, good takeaway. And it also means that you're not trading off with as many elements to get out of your retainer, isn't it? So, I mean, we know that we pay a certain amount to an agency these are the number of hours that you're working on. You know that in the background. You know that those are the outcomes you want to get. But, yeah. you know, if you start upskilling in-house, that means you can spend those agency hours on something else that yeah. may be something that you couldn't afford to do previously. It. So um, it's a good way of progressing through your marketing plan. What, what are you what, uh, kind of keen for in your experience and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're only a subset of the types of providers that you would engage. Like we do, yep. you know, fundamentally Google Ads and SEO and paid social. Um, yep. What are the types of services or offerings you have found to to generally work best using agency partners and what are the the types of things that you find in your experience are best done um, by you and your team in the house a lot of um it actually really depends on the size of the team in the business yeah. so if you can um things like community management on social media i think is definitely best done in-house yeah. because it's your brand it's your people you're better to represent it um, but then things like scheduling regular social media posts, is that something that's, um, if you've got a really small team who are time crunched, then that might be something that you can outsource, but you still have to develop the calendar and the content and the strategy. So a lot of the times with the scheduling tools you've got, it's easier to do it yourself at the same time. Um, I think branding is something I definitely outsource every time. And the reason for that is, it gives you an outside view of your business and where you want to be, where you think you are, where you want to go, that kind of thing. And there's more discipline around that kind of structure. So I think branding is something, one, you don't scrimp on and two, 
I definitely get specialists in. Yeah. Um, for larger businesses, web development and web maintenance, um, often quite expensive to have, particularly if you've got something like a Magento website or a major Shopify instance, that kind of thing. But they bring expertise that it's actually really expensive to have in-house anyway. So with that, for instance, for cabling, we've got web developers who do our maintenance and every time we do an iteration of the website, they do the build. We work with them very closely. They're external. They're external. They are external. And then I've got an internal e-commerce guy who does all of my product uploads and everything like that and then optimizes, does a lot of the technical stuff on the SEO side when you guys have given us a template to say this is what you've got to fill in um, or these are the issues that the technical audits revealed. Um, SEO, PPC, for really tight budgets, I have done them in-house, but I always find that they get to a point where the results plateau. So um, whilst a 300% ROI might look great, I know that if I work with an agency, all of a sudden that could triple just because they're looking at it differently and they've got a, you know access to tools I can't afford to have. Yep. Um, that's another thing for SEO as well. Yes, you can go and get your SEM Rush subscription, but you've got to learn how to use it. You've got to be willing to use it regularly. And is it easier just to get an agency to give you all the technical outputs and say, this is your to-do list? Yeah. And I've got to say, for me, most of the time, that's definitely gold yeah. for me. Um, PPC, that one, usually if you've got a big enough ad spend, um, I'd be definitely sending it to an agency, but then I'd also be looking at the metrics really, really carefully and keeping them accountable because an agency is going to go for the low-hanging fruit and they're going to go for the best results. But sometimes we've got to, as a client, say, okay, I know that that product category is delivering you a much better ROI, but I need you to make sure that we are present here because this is gold for us, even though it doesn't look like it on your metrics. So that kind of thing is really quite important. Um, Copywriting, um, so many copywriting freelancers out there. If you get one that's really good at your area of um, technical expertise, really quite hard to find those in agencies. So it is oftentimes better to either employ them in-house or outsource to a very specialist copywriter if that's kind of what you need to do. But those are probably the main areas we look at. A lot of graphic design we do outsource but these days I've usually got an in-house designer so if they get provided with really good templates and really good structures and a really good style guide I can usually generate a lot more content in-house and for things like catalogs that's invaluable so because catalogs huge projects if you outsource them they cost you a fortune but if you've got a designer in-house who you know can work on it over the next six months in between EDM headers and social media posts and everything like that it's much more cost-effective to do it in-house. Um, so lots of trade-offs. But um, but ultimately, with all of that, the decision is, you know, what's the plan, what are the outcomes we're looking for, and then what's the best way to actually resource it? And I think that happens at any size business. If you don't have a plan, then you're probably not going to be moving forward. So, yeah, I think with the websites, we have had e-commerce managers in-house, but the trade-off there is either they're not as good at product or and they're really good at programming or and they want to play with things in the programming or you look at it as this is my shop front, stop messing with the back end yeah. um, and maybe make it more about the products that we're selling. So um, yeah. a lot of that really technical stuff, ideal to outsource. 
particularly because it's hard or expensive to have in-house. Yeah, I think that's a really good summary. Like, I think all the things you touched on there are probably similar observations that we have, pretty much bang on. And then it really then just comes down to size and need, where I think as businesses do get bigger and you can start having more than one person in a particular seat of expertise, then maybe you start yeah. looking at in-housing more stuff. But if you're kind of relying on half of an expert to do a technical job, often yeah. they kind of it's hard to get someone, it's hard to know they're good and you're kind of probably best off rather than other headcount and training and recruiting and mm. whatever else, use yeah. an agency that is proven. Um, I think that's that's really good. I think we've, we've probably touched a little bit on it so far, but, okay, let's pretend that you've decided to use an agency for a particular piece of work. Mm-hmm. In your experience, how do you get the most from an agency? Um, a lot of it is how you start. So um, having really clear parameters about what the project looks like, what the expected outcomes are, who's doing what parts, um, making sure that you're not operating in isolation and that you have communicated exactly what it is you do want, but that does require you to know um, what the goals are in the first place. I think be open with input that comes back because obviously an agency is a specialist in an area you've chosen to work with them for a reason. Um, if they make a suggestion, spend the time, work out if it's the right direction for you or if it isn't, then why isn't it? And be open with that. So I'd say take a lot of the time to scope the project properly. Make sure everybody knows exactly what the outcomes are going to look like because things particularly for like a website build, for instance, we've just gone through another one recently and how we thought the API was going to work is not how the API actually did work. And then we had two suppliers on the API and they both had completely different viewpoints. And that was, you know, a data integration piece that was quite complicated. We all thought we were on the same page and speaking the same language. Turned out we weren't. Um, We fixed it. but. That kind of thing, if you can avoid those kinds of problems as much as possible, totally makes sense. Again, that communication piece. So be honest about what you're trying to achieve. Don't try and say, I don't know, some people with agencies want to present themselves as being bigger and bolder and brassier than they actually are and, you know, they don't want to show any vulnerabilities. But the reality is if your agency doesn't know what you need help with, they can't help you with it. Okay, you might have to take a knock to your ego, but maybe get over it and try and get the best results. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I think that clarity to start with and then timeframes. So budgets, scope, budget, timeframe, knock those um, on the head, get everybody on the same page, and then make sure you've got KPIs that everyone is accountable for and you can keep track so you don't get to the end of the project and find out that something slipped. Make sure that you're measuring things as you go through. So yeah, that's it. It comes back so much to the, the the point around. Oh, we're thinking of actually bringing something back in the house. Just have an open conversation about it. Same thing, like uh, because we're on the other side of the fence, and so many prospects will come to us, and they'll be guarded about budget, or they'll kind of be guarded about giving us access to certain things. And it's like, no, like it, you don't have to go with us. There's a bunch of other agencies that you know you can get quotes from and work out whether it's a competitive price and whether the budget's right, but. Just give us give us everything. Mm. Tell us exactly what you need to achieve and what resourcing you have to do it and what's working, what's not, and then we'll tell you if we think we can help you or not. Um, but I think people, there is this kind of um, yeah. this, almost this game where people are kind of keeping their cards close to their chest and I'm not actually sure it helped anyone. You don't want that information out there in the ether, but by the same token, you can't get what you need without some sort of honest exchange of information. Yeah. So it's 
it is a hard one to get a lot of particularly C-suite people across. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I find as well, like agency size is a huge issue. So if you're a small or medium-sized business, you want to be a big fish in a, you know, in a little pond as opposed to a tiny little fish in a massive pond. So I think finding that kind of link, the only way you find it is talking budget, talking to them about what sort of clients that they're working with as well. Uh, would you be a major player for them or would you be a small one? Yeah. Is that going to change the service level that you get? Because the reality is we all work on the top 20% of our client list much more than we work on the bottom 80%. That's just economies of scale. That's just how that works. So you've got to make sure that those are all the right fit for you. So it might be that if you're a small startup, you start with a smaller agency and then you start working with other ones as you get bigger. So um, it's hard to cut those ties sometimes, but I think sometimes it's the best thing to do as well, particularly the agencies often specialise in a particular area. Um, so as you move out of um, that area of specialisation, it's probably time for you both to be saying, well, you might want to be looking somewhere else now. A lot of agencies, though, don't do that any more than a lot of businesses do that with their clientele. Yeah. So because you don't want to give away something that's um, that you've built on or that is guaranteed income. Yeah. but it's not always the best solution to stay. I think that's good. That's a good, fair comment. And it is true there's no best agency, right? It's about the most appropriate agency for a particular problem to be solved and a particular particular type of business. And, yeah, I don't think from the other side, like it is, you know, Rocket, I think we do a good job, but we would, there'd be certain scopes of work which we would struggle to deliver upon. If Commonwealth Bank came and said, hey, guys, we need to roll out this huge campaign, we just wouldn't have the scale and the team to deliver upon it, right, because we're built yeah. to service a different part of the market. And equally, if it's a, a really small corner shop startup, we're probably not a good fit either because our you know, minimum budgets and we're kind of more mm-hmm. accustomed to playing in that small to mid-market kind of space. And I don't, you don't want to be the biggest fish in a small pond. You don't want to be the smallest fish in a big pond. You kind of want to... You know, have good cultural alignment. The sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, it needs to work. Yeah, that's right. It's interesting. There's some good stuff there on how to get the most from an agency because I do feel like I've, we've worked with you in two two different organisations and I think you do try a really good balance of being demanding, getting good results, getting good value out of us, but also um, giving us what we need in order to deliver, do good work and also make money out of it. So I think... You, you do tread that balance really, really well. You. Well, we've both, the thing with it is we've both got to make money on it, don't we? So yeah. I've got to get the results I need and you guys have got to be able to run a business. Yeah. And, you know, um, and I think also if the one thing about agencies, if you find the agency cares about their team and protects their business as much as they protect you as a client, then that's a really good balance because I have my marketing team as well and um, my job is to protect them and get the most out of them. So yeah. um, I th- And I would expect you to be doing that on your side. So. And you same too. But <laughs> that was a perfect segue to my next question. Okay. <laughs> what are the traits of a kick-ass in-house marketing team? Uh, marketing, passion, you've got to have it. Um, you definitely need a mix of skills. Mm-hmm. That's a given. But I think for me, for marketing, if you're about to go into a huge video blitz, for instance, then you need somebody in-house who's really into video because videos are not something you sort of do once and then let run. So for me, um, and also the um, whole COVID things changed up how um, I'm even working now. So 
where I used to have like a marketing coordinator, my e-commerce person, a graphic designer, I'm now mixing it up that I've got more part-timers and everyone's working remotely um, and it's we're spending more time on Zoom but and chat and all the rest of it just sort of to keep in sync. But I think marketing, bring find find marketing members who are really good at particular skills and then you can train them about what your product is. Um, my product at the moment, not sexy, not that interesting, but I've got some very cool, I've got a very cool graphic designer, I've got a great content person, and I've got a product person who knows the products inside out. So you need the technical skills, you need the passion to learn more as well. Um, I think, and any marketing team has to be a team, and it's a bit twee to say it, but they've all got to be working together. So there's no point in me having the best graphic designer if she's not doing what the social media person needs or providing the product guy with the photos that, you know, he needs for his product listings. So they've got to be able to work together. You've got to be really good at communicating, particularly when we're working remotely. I spend most of my life on chat, but we do have blackout periods where we can actually sit down and get work done because yeah. I've needed to do that. Um particularly for strategy stuff, you can't sit there and have chat going and your email going and your phone going. Um, so I'd say definitely bring in a mix of skills, um, even if they're maybe not the technical skills like SEO or programming, that kind of thing. But having an in-house copywriter gives you a huge amount of flexibility. Having an in-house designer gives you huge flexibility. Um, having product experts, again, gives you that knowledge and the ability to create what you need to create when you need to create it. So I think that versatility, I think flexibility is key these days. Every marketer wants it. You know, some people want to be in the office, some people want to be at home. And I think we've got the tools now where we can do whatever works best for people. The other thing, um, the whole road to flexible working was actually only brought about in this organisation, for instance, because we were forced to with COVID. So um, there were shutdowns was a great opportunity for us to demonstrate that we could still deliver the results needed and you didn't have to see us sitting in the office. And now we so value that. So, and that's a way to keep everyone motivated and the way to keep your team passionate and it gives them the flexibility to do what they need to do with their families and all of that sort of thing. So I think, yeah, get a broad spectrum as much as you can um, for an in-house team. You will need specializations in your products to an extent, um, but You've just got to find what the balance is between what you're going to outsource, what you're going to have in-house and make sure that you skill accordingly. So, Kind of um, probably not, not a question I had on the list, but I, I think most organisations that I'm, I'm speaking to, whether it's other agencies or in-house senior marketers, recruitment and talent is just so tough at the moment. Um, yeah, any, nobody's responding. <laughs> any tips, advice on not, not how to kind of, I guess, um, not how to get CVs or anything like that, but more, you know, how do you identify people that you think will kind of fit those those traits or criteria of, you know, kick-ass in-house marketers? What are the, any tips yeah, on recruitment? I think um, this is quite interesting one because we've done things a bit differently lately because of COVID. So I put up a seek ad like you do. You normally get 300 responses. You maybe want to talk to five of them. Yeah. Um, earlier this year, I think late last year, I did the same ad, went through the same process, got five responses to something that would normally get me 300. So we've had to talk to people like, contract suppliers and that kind of stuff um, with obviously the idea that we try them out, see if they're a good fit as a contractor. Um, We know that they've been vetted for particular skills. We still interviewed everybody to make sure that they're a good fit for us um, from a personality point of view and from a a good 
you know, cultural fit for us. Yeah. Um, but we have had to go down the contract road, whereas normally I would have full-time internal employees for six months. It's contractor roles. And then the idea is they will go full-time if they work out, um, which thankfully they are looking like they will. So we've had to sort of adapt to all of that. Um, the other thing we've done is um, internal promotions. So um, my product person used to be in sales. Um, he was passionate about e-commerce. We've had to go down that road, whereas normally I would say do a job ad, say I want a degree, qualification in this, I want you to have experience in that. We've had to look at different yep. avenues because marketers just weren't moving. Um, and it turns out that we've got a more diverse team as a result of that. Um, and but I think it's a stronger one. So maybe this is a good thing. I mean, not just from the work from home thing, but also in the way that we are actually looking at what is what do we actually need from our marketers. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's been an interesting one. But for me, it's been networking. So I've known people who were dealing with contractors. If I was looking, like I'm obviously head of marketing, I know a lot of senior marketers. If I was looking for a senior marketer, I'd probably just go and talk to them directly on LinkedIn or you know, pick up a phone, but I needed junior marketers and they're a lot harder for me to find. So <laughs> your um, friends aren't giving you theirs. No, that's right. <laughs> they seem very possessive. <laughs> it's just not fair. Um, so yeah, but the contractor thing or just even a lot of the freelancer sites, the problem there is quality for me. So um, even when we we're looking for designers, it was really quite hit and miss. Um, and also you know, what they were really looking for was just a bit of a side hustle as opposed to an actual job, that kind of stuff. So I find in this case and in this environment, using the contractor agencies is the way for us to go. It was a hard sell, let me tell you, with the board because it's like, well, why would we pay money for somebody to do this? And I'm like, well, I'm getting no responses and I don't have time to sit here and hunt these people up. They've been hunted by these people. So, just you know, idea. let's use them. So, yeah. yeah. Nice one. Last last question. Mm-hmm. One piece of advice for a young marketer wanting to be in a role like yours one day? Uh, demonstrate ROI for your entire career. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Honestly, that's what it's coming down to. Yeah. Um, it's Marketing is always seen as a um, cost center yep. as opposed to a revenue generator. And unless you bang on your C-suite's head over and over and over again that these are the results that you are giving them, Yeah they will forget it and they'll just look at your budget and slash it in half. So, um, and build those relationships, like talk to the right people constantly. If you are in a meeting with C-level executives, talk, state your case, make them familiar with who you are um, and talk to them in the language that they like. Um, So for me, it's always been about ROI. Um, If I can demonstrate to them why spending this much on advertising gives me this much in revenue. It's a lot easier conversation than saying a vanity metric like, but I have a million followers now because they don't care unless those million followers became this much in revenue. So I think get to know the language of the people you're talking with, um, get to work, get used to working with other divisions in an organisation, definitely get a good relationship going with your sales team because... If they have a sales team, there's a reason for it and it could make or break your marketing responses because they're the guys that have to close the deals. But demonstrate ROI constantly. And that's the same for an agency as well. I mean, if my agencies aren't telling me what benefit I'm getting out of using them in my monthly reports and my monthly catch-ups, then I'm going to be sitting there going, well, what are you doing for me lately? 
treat everybody like they're a client. The reality is everyone's judging you, whether it's out loud or not. And if you get this particular campaign or whatever it is, talk about it. It may feel boastful. It may feel like you're banging on about the same thing over and over again, but you are viewed as a cost center. If you get them to change their viewpoint and view you as a revenue generator, then your life becomes a lot easier. I think that's awesome. Uh, Rachel, thanks so much for being on the pod. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for listening to the Smarter Marketer podcast. Stay up to date about new episodes on LinkedIn and Instagram by searching for Smarter Marketer podcast. You can purchase your own copy of Smarter Marketer via the Amazon website. And if you want a second opinion about your business's approach to digital marketing, send me an email, jamesl at rocketagency.com.au or visit the rocketagency.com.au website. Thanks for your time.